We're talking about a beloved property today. Let's just get straight and roll, roll the bloody intro. This particular piece that we're going to talk about is quite a, it's a special piece for a couple of reasons. One, it's obviously a follow-up to it, something that's a beloved property. And two, it kind of came out of nowhere. I, I saw a tweet for this and I was like, this mm. has got to be fan fiction. And I looked at it, it's like, nope, it actually is the thing. And that's Heat 2. And even when da, you look da, at da, the cover, da, like, first of all, it's kind of a generic name, Heat 2, you know, <laughs> and then it says 1988 to 2000. That literally tells you everything you need to know about the setup for this this book. And it's like, it was so, such a mundane sort of title and it came kind of out of nowhere that I thought, no, this is this is going to be so bad. I have mm. to buy a copy for you and myself so that we can have this kind of like the cheesy Vegemite, cheesy bite, if you remember. Or no, Vegemite <laughs> 2.0. I actually bought a jar of that. 2.0. Yeah. Vegemite 2.0. I actually bought a jar of it so I can, like, yes, that happened and we let it happen. This book, I'm like, even if this sucks, I have to have a copy because it's mm. not even it's not even a 30-year anniversary. It was a 27-year anniversary. And no one was clamoring for this. But with that in mind, how do you feel about it existing? Oh, I'm I'm chuffed it, it exists because, for one thing, I love Michael Mann and I love mm-hmm. his films. And I was similar to you. The first time I saw anything about Heat 2 was in a magazine. And you, you can just imagine I'm turning the pages and here's this double spread and it's Michael Mann and it says Michael Mann talks Heat 2. And I'm going, bullshit, no way. No way, because I'm thinking it's a film. Yeah. And I'm going, oh, forgetting, forgetting for a moment that Al Pacino and Rob De Niro are going to be using their walking frames as they go through a high school <laughs> chase down LA back streets. Give me all you got. <laughs> oh, fantastic. He's making no disrespect, Mr. Pacino, Mr. De Niro. <laughs> no, no disrespect. Love your work. But it did seem a bit weird. My second immediate thought was, oh, no, this is going to be a stage play. And I went, Oh, wow, no, don't do it. Don't can you imagine he too on the stage. Frigging rad as that would be. I mean, <laughs> I don't go to. As, they, go to the as they push a police car I across would, the stage with you know, the guys in black. I would, <laughs> like, I go to that. I'm sorry. I would not, I would I not would say he too go. on the stage. So that, that were my immediate thoughts. I thought he too the film. And then as I'm reading, it's, it's like, no, 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 he's written something. Oh, God, not a play. It's a book. It's a novel. And it's like, great. And knowing man and the process was, because you knew Macaulay in real life, right? Yes, the real Macaulay. I've forgotten the guy's name. It's in the back here. So the, the copper that he was friends with is uh, Charlie Addison. My theory is that man based the screenplay off real characters. We know that. Mm-hmm. He had some yes. backstory for the actors. We know that. He wrote mm-hmm. the screenplay and shot it. I think mm-hmm. my theory is with this book, because he obviously didn't have all this book written out, He's gone no. back and sort of retrofitted a few things into it, knowing where Macaulay ended up. What do you think? I'd say that's that's pretty accurate. I'd say I think there was a lot of world building that he did for the movie that was just a shame not to explore and to flesh out. But obviously, it's just not possible to turn it into a movie. I think even even if they'd gone back to it, like, say, in 1996, when it was still a friend of mind and the actors were all appropriate ages, I still don't think it would have been a success as a movie necessarily and i think we'll get into that it's really is the perfect setting or the this is kind of the perfect medium for this is this this book 466 pages now does it feel like 466 pages worth of story 
This is kind of like the when you watch a movie and you're like, oh man, this is dragging. It's like, oh wow, it's only a 90 minute movie. Does it feel like that? Or do you feel like, oh wow, watching this for ages and it's it, it's actually, you know, it doesn't feel like it, it hasn't dragged. In the first third, it took me a little bit to get into. I, I'm not sure why, whether it was the sort of cadence of the writing or the structure. But once mm-hmm. I'd got th- past a certain point, probably page 100, thereabouts, it was a really easy read after that. But what helped was, and we've talked about this behind the scenes, mm-hmm. is having the film because you can see it. And that's that really is the crux of what makes this such an amazing piece is like, yeah, okay, it's, it's a beloved property, but as well as that, the writers are gifted here. You know, Michael Mann and Meg Gardner have been gifted with shortcuts to character. So half the people in this Big book, time. we already have a personal connection with. We know mm. what they look like. We mm. know how they react and act and, and all their mannerisms. So read this book. It is an amazing uh, addition to that. And you already know that the only person who survives from heat is Chris Chihelis, or the Crims anyway. And so following his development, his growth <laughs> beyond that, because obviously this goes way beyond 95, as it says, goes up to the year 2000. And seeing his character arc, seeing him become a new man, it's really believable because we've got that solid foundation that's kind of gifted to us with this just regular two-hour movie. It's like a cheat code because it's <laughs> just like... And, and because this was written after the movie was shot, so obviously Michael Mann and Meg Gardner, have, they have these clear images of who these people are as well. Nothing clashes. And what I mean by that is I read Fight Club after I'd seen the movie, like a lot of people, and I was constantly butting my head and going, oh, that's different to the movie, or oh, yeah, Tyler Durden doesn't look like Brad Pitt, in, as he's described in the book. Things like that, I was noticing lots of little differences right the way up to the ending. I mean, everything everything is very different. And I felt that I was constantly at odds there, whereas the book Heat 2 feels like it really is an addendum. It's an, it's an, it's an extra piece of this whole world that's being created. And it's definitely a lot darker i would definitely say because that's one of the things that made it hard for me to get back into because i would read a bit of it and mm-hmm. then put it down because there is a, a character one otis wardell as yeah wardell he's a, he's a good wardell. baddie he's fleshed out he's a good baddie and mm. when we say that we mean you want this guy hurt because he's a terrible terrible man like I, some of the scenes that are in the book i don't think would play too well in a movie theater the home invasion, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's, there's another part where where the guy is getting his head beaten in, and and it's descriptions of of how his head bounces off the floor and stuff. And oh, okay. I think how, I've read. How the, how I think I've read a lot of crime novels because maybe, you know, maybe as, that's it. Yeah, it's not as graphic as some crime novels I've read. Sorry, when I say that, it, it's the big thing as well is also it's I think it's definitely darker than the the film because while there is obviously a lot of gun violence and there is. Um, yeah, it is in themes. Uh, and, yeah. Wayne Wayne Grow Wayne Grow is is quite a, a gross character. I, I think Wardell mm-hmm. is kind of a, a almost a stand-in for Wayne Grow. He's pretty a much, character we pretty much genuinely dislike. But Wayne Grow, when he you know we see him about to do something bad, mm-hmm. um, the camera cuts away. Whereas in the book, we don't cut away. We kind of like we see some pretty or we we described as some pretty bad things. One of the victims is um, underage, which is something that you really wouldn't mm. touch on in a film unless your film was about that. Like I'm thinking yeah. Eye for an Eye or Black Rock or something like that. On that score, I think it's definitely darker than the film. You know, in fact, probably the most shocking thing is 
in the movie, the, I would the, say. The suicide. suicide it's the suicide, yeah. The attempt, yeah, yeah. Because that's that hits you hard. Yeah. Full on. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And it's and the camera doesn't pull away at all. And that's entire. Obviously, that's entirely intentional because this is kind of the crux. This is this yeah. is what's you know <laughs> is this the end result sort of thing. And you can even hear like Hannah's there going, "People shouldn't over No, not you, honey. Don't worry. You know, he's like trying to patch her up and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's like yeah. he's just like chasing guys around the block, shooting at each other, and here's this kid who's like lost and you know he's kind of conflicted about how that. good were the Hannah scenes in, in the novel oh they're good yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah they're good. good you like, can tell they enjoy writing it's that it's really hard and it's you can really see it in your head <laughs> not to see Vincent Chino. yeah exactly yeah um I I, I re- again I'll, I'll kind of stand up for Pacino because they people say oh he's choose the scenery a bit and it's like what, what do you get him for though I, I mean that's do, what he does what you get him for that's his calling this card is, it works like would scent of a woman have been as impactful if no. the guy was just trying to be an know. edgy blind guy like no uh, i remember in the commentary michael mann said that he ruined a couple of takes when al pacino is talking to uh <laughs> talking to the guy he's like Give me all you got. Right. When I time I get to Phoenix, you'll be present. <laughs> you know, he starts singing like man's yeah. like starts yeah. cracking up and he's like, Cut. <laughs> and you can really superimpose again, it's that foreknowledge of these characters mm. that you see on film with the right, you know, put into this setting. And that's why mm. at 466 pages, I genuinely felt like I read about three separate stories. And it is kind of it is it is kind of well it is. It is a couple of separate narratives. Yeah. Yeah. And they all how they all interflow and connect with each other, which is really cool mm-hmm. and done in a really good way. Mm-hmm. I love how it picks up right after End of Heat. Yes. Because it's Chris Falcon's character shot, you know, being treated. Mm-hmm. It does it I love that because it you, you can see it straight away. Any faults, any anything <clears throat> you felt didn't work. I've got one part. Um, the rest of it flowed was, really well. There was nothing. There were there really wasn't anything that stood out to me as massive speed humps. Because sometimes this was one of the the things when I was reading some of the characters and their dialogue. Sometimes I noticed that have they written that dialogue deliberately trying to evoke that character and and it's feeling a bit forced, or am I superimposing that on there? And this is just regular dialogue. Are they tr- you know how hard are they trying to recapture these characters? That never lasted, and it was mm. it was always a momentary thing. When I finished it, I, I had that that kind of exhilaration and exhaustion that you get from, yeah. from reading something. I mean, I'm definitely going to read it again, 100%. And that's really rare for me with fiction. I tend not to read fiction more than once, although I am rereading another book as well, but it's, it's very, very rare. <laughs> there was just one bit, and that was when, it's not spoiling anything here, but Chris essentially mm. is back in the States. He's been out of the States for a while, like building a new life. Mm. Comes back in knowing he's on there. He's there for limited time, and that's sort of the ticking mm-hmm. clock narrative they got mm-hmm. there. He's 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 back yes. in LA, and he sees Hannah. This is kind of like history. the final act. It's, this is like the yeah. last part of the book. Yeah, and I won't I won't spoil it. But essentially, no. I just felt what happens from there. That sort of obsessive streak that kicks in just mm-hmm. didn't gel with me. How everything came together at the one location on the highway uh, with Waddell and the daughter and. I get why he was after Hannah. I mm-hmm. get why he was doing it, but I didn't get the way he was doing it. Because this guy's worked with Macaulay. They're yeah. a tight team. He doesn't mm-hmm. fuck around. Like he, he's he's on the ball. And here he is sort of running around doing all this stuff. In, for revenge. Yeah, in, in mm. For revenge. 
it just didn't ring, ring true at all come together. I love how it all came together in the end. It's yeah. impactful and visual and really cool. It's, it's a highway and scene very LA. at the end. Like, I know we're not really LA. I know yeah. we're not natives to LA, uh, to LA, but no. you can totally imagine based on a what we understand of LA, the overpasses. Oh yeah, the you can see it. Just the, the way it's described, the heavy traffic. Um, and this is the problem. See, it's all those witnesses, that major event, so much happening, and yet he's sort of going into it, and it was like, uh, sort of, it was the only thing. Everything else was fine. His his new life, what he had to do, mm. all of that flowed and made sense, and was really well played, and you can see it playing out. Mm. But just that part was like, oh, really? Is this? career criminal mm. essentially who's involved mm. in some of the most meticulous <clears throat> time and, and evolved heists. like he's an evolved career and this criminal. is like pro- he's, he's this is post that this is yeah mm. this is post all that so he actually knows better mm. and yet he's sort of being this really impulsive person yep. for the sake of revenge you think really yeah i don't know yeah i, don't I, know. I see it, what it, you're saying. it was for the narrative more for the mm. characters that that's all i did have a, a worry because obviously this character wardell he's kind of he's a, an ongoing problem mm-hmm. but effectively this three-sided battle you've got the crims you've yeah. got the monsters and you've got the yeah. cops with the except you know that the monster is just a monster he's just evil that's wardell but the the crims if you don't cross them you're fine vincent you know hannah and the cops like it, he's He's not an angel, but mm. he's ultimately coming from a good place. But he has to sometimes do things like he he executes a guy, you know, with a <laughs> yeah. Well, he does execute. That's a guy, right. Uh, early in the in the yeah, that was a bit the, dark. That was pretty dark. I did not expect that. But this yeah. is all set before it he, was. This is like 1998. So you it kind was. of imagine this was him. And the hothead years or whatever. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we we learn so much. Like it makes sense given the time frame. Uh, mm. Of heat, and when Macaulay and Hannah were were, were coming up, mm. it would have made sense that both of them served in Vietnam, and mm. that's exactly mm. what they were. They were that's where they got some base skills and base training, and what made them mm-hmm. at the the top end, the the forefront of at the top of the game. When we watch the movie, we see them pull off one successful job. Then they go to hit the bullion, the precious metals facility. Mm-hmm. And they have to pull out because they, they know they've been watched by the cops. And we never see them do a successful job again. And it's like, damn, that's a, that's a shame because, you know, these guys yeah. are elite. With the book, we, yeah. we get to see just how good this crew is. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, it details it very well. Good. Yeah. And we see where the whole ethos around here around the corner comes from without giving anything away, yes. which I thought was yeah, again, with that. an addition to that backstory, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mind that because the characters yeah, were fleshed loved, out really well. I really loved that uh, that, mm. that piece of the story. It explains, it, sh- it shows Macaulay, not just, this isn't just Neil Macaulay from the film, but like mm. seven years younger. Mm. This is a different man because of mm. what ultimately happens. Again, not watching the spoil. Yeah. And we realise how he creates this this life for himself because box. It's, uh, it may and it's it makes sense it it works really well because yeah all the characters are just fleshed out really well where you know it's where we see him meet uh danny treo all the little descriptions that he gives of of all the place like you know he's looking at his crew and he's like shahil is he's there helping himself to like a third breakfast or thing he eats like a linebacker um <laughs> when yeah. they're sitting down in the cafe he notices a, a girl with Oh, uh, some university jumper on, noticeably not looking at her books, looking at Chris Chehalez, and it's like, okay, it's time to leave because we're starting to get noticed. Because so we get the impression that Chehalez is 
you know, he's sharp as attack, obviously very fit, very solidly built bloke. He's also got the the looks as well. He's he's got that kind of Val Kilmer look, you know. The Val Kilmer, Val Kilmer look, yeah. was like the yeah. was like the height of hot in the, the, yeah. the early nineties. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. He describes uh, Chirito, Michael Chirito. He's uh, mm. he's he's looking at him. He goes, you know, he's like the solid build is just kind of the the kind of down to earth thing is just to cover. He'll he'll kill you as soon as look at yeah. you. You know, he's kind of the, yeah. the affable sociopath. Yes, yeah. you know when you think about it, he's got a wife and kids. It makes sense that he would be an affable sociopath. You know, That's right. he 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 teaches one of them like magic tricks. You know, he's like he's a dad, but he's also like he's mm-hmm. a sociopath. He's got no problem killing if it's for the job. Um, he describes Treo. He's like, you know because they they meet him there, and he's like uh, he's he's as tough as any crim he's ever met, except when he looks at his uh beautiful anna and then you see his face melt, and it kind of feeds into that whole thing because obviously we know what happens in heat. Yeah. feeds in and the bolsters the book the book uh, sorry bolsters the film and the film kind of bolsters the the book i kind of they kind of um supplement each other and yeah, like tough. i said the biggest thing for me was just seeing this elite crew doing their work mm. you know just, just doing the job and mm. just being good at it and conversely you know i mean in, in the end they're thieves they're criminals so is wardell but you wouldn't equate the two at all like they're, no. they're just they're there's, not even there's the such a contrast species. And that's what makes it interesting. Yeah. You, don't, you don't know what Wardell's going to do. That, that's what keeps you reading, essentially. He's, he's a wild card. So he propels the narrative in a really good way. And there's enough little hints and tidbits and pieces in there to show the human side, I think is what you're saying there, in, mm. with the criminals. But it expands the world in a really well, really good way. You know, he's held up as a modern classic now. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't impact it at all. It's it's fine. It just provides an even better foundation. It's like we we find out what happened to Chris after the movie, and also before, and, and what mm. happens. You know, like how, what led them. Oh, he meets to that his wife and, and all that. Point. Yeah, he meets his wife because it's a movie and it's only two hours long. They don't, they don't want to spend too long piss fighting around. You know, mm. we show them very professional. They got timers. You know, they know what how long the police are going to be. You know, that's how the movie opens. And they get straight into it. But then we never see them do a successful job again. We just have to take it on faith based on what the cops say. Oh, this crew is good. You know, we have to kind of take it on faith. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. It. And it does look like they're good, but it's like we, we don't actually see it firsthand. We see them do uh, two jobs successfully. Even when one of them doesn't go yeah. 100% to plan, it still goes really well. And they're able to adapt. And again, it's this kind of quasi-military training yeah. that makes it yeah. really, really work. And it's it sort of gratifies the reader in the sense that it's like mm. this is why this team was good. I don't know if um, I'm pretty sure I told you that I went to see Heat. It was I went with, on a date with a girl from Pizza Hut when I was working there. Did I, I'm sure I told you no. that, didn't I? There wasn't many. There weren't many options, and I'd heard that Heat was good. So this was. I mean, I was what twenty. Not 95, wasn't it? 19. Yeah. Yeah, 1920. Yeah, so we were in 1920. Yeah. 1920. So we went and watched Heat. Now, I knew it was a really good film. Yeah, mm-hmm. off the bat, from the opening, you know. Yeah. I'm watching yeah. this going, this is so well made and so detailed. Mm-hmm. And you had to really follow it. Like, it's hard to mm-hmm. watch Heat the first time when you've seen it. You and I have watched it so many times now. Yeah. It's, it's hard to remember what it's like watching it the first time. It's actually a bit confusing because mm-hmm. you don't really know all the details of what's going on. So I was really engrossed in it and she was so bored. And <laughs> I think she was more like the legally blonde type. You just, you know, you go in, you watch Boy Met Girl, you don't have to think. So she was so bored. How do you make an action movie that's truly engaging? And I mean, you had things like 
1995, we had Heat. Then we, you know, there's there's movies that have come along since then. You know, we had Inception that mm. was an interesting take on uh, a thoughtful sort of action film. But I honestly think it's it's getting harder. I, d- I just imagine that it can only get harder to make clever or engaging action movies that don't rely on just pure spectacle. The thing, the action scenes for me mm. in in Heat, the reasons they stood out immediately for me was the sound, yeah. the way the machine guns echoed off the buildings. Like yes. that obviously wasn't it, happening in real life. It has a very non-Hollywood sound. It sounds like they're it's echoing a, off the Yeah, it, the, it, the, it's the one of those things. Building. I was in the cinema just going, man, this is how you do an action scene. <laughs> I think in the case of the the gunfight with with Heat, and I, I mean, we're way off the, the book now, uh, but the book I think leverages from this as well is that the gunfights and the engagements are really well choreographed. So yeah. I again, in the commentary for Heat, Michael Mann is talking about how Every every one of the uh, anywhere every one of Macaulay's crew is carrying a realistic amount of armor for one person, a realistic amount of ammo for one person, mm-hmm. and they are following uh, a formation where one moves, the other gives cover, and then that one gives cover, and the other one moves, and they are following. That's actually a military right. tactic. It's a it's a it's a right. way of getting out of trouble if you are um, yep. pinned down. That was researched by them. That's not me saying that because I wouldn't know one end of a gun from the other. Um, I think you would. I don't know. I, I actually, some- I actually you would. To, you would. Yeah, yeah. I'd probably, you would. <laughs> I'd still point. I'd still point the the dangerous end at my head and go, "That's it. I'm out." Um, the uh, I don't know how I could. I need to actually check, uh, see this. Need to actually check this. But uh, apparently, when Shahelis is in the gunfight and he's uh, he does a a mag change. Apparently, the Marines show that video as a textbook example of ah. mag change under a firefight. Right. I don't know how accurate there is. It could be an apocryphal tale, right. uh, but I, it was I one of those ones that was on similar tales. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, given the amount of research that uh, man put into the movie. Yeah, and that fight in particular, that gunfight in particular, because it's I wouldn't say it's the culmination of the film. But it's the thing that everyone seems to remember is that epic gunfight that you know, nearly yeah. three decades later is still held up as an exemplar of this is how you do a gunfight. Basically. Um, yeah. But also it's because we're invested. We It's kind of conflicting because mm. in the same with the book. You want them to here, get away. Um, you want them to get away. But they're <laughs> yeah, you guys. want them to get away. Like, uh, yeah. and, and now, like they have, and you see, they have zero compunction towards shooting yeah. anyone to get out. Yeah. So these are not good guys, but I'm kind of invested. And they've just pulled the rug out from under us. One thing I was worried about when I was reading it, early on, I thought we're going to have some kind of meetup. And I was worried that we were going to get kind of a hokey coming together of the threads. The way it culminated, Mm. like I said, uh, I I actually, I agree with you from a, a, a rational perspective. I think, you know, maybe it, it didn't make sense. Maybe Shahela's, He's supposed to have evolved past all that, but then something he's all tied up with with revenge. At the time, I was utterly invested. I was, I had a movie going in my head, basically like the gunfight in the movie. Functionally, it is it is a really tense moment. But like you said, it makes, like there is a bit to be questioned there. That like, would he really do this? Yeah, yeah. One thing that I, I really did like. This is another another thing that I really liked was. The deal, um, Shahil's new life, you know, he's involved mm-hmm. in a deal. The deal has kind of gone wrong a bit. Yeah, with, yeah. it's gone uh, awry. Yeah. The person he's with. Yeah. Uh, it hasn't gone totally pear-shaped, but mm. it looks clear that things are not shaping up to be rosy. And he goes for a drive. 
mm-hmm. and he goes to see his old life. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. he's there. He's out the front, and yeah. he watches them through the window mm-hmm. briefly, and he sees them having a regular life, and yeah. he's like, he. And I'm like, oh god, Chris, don't throw this away. Not you. <laughs> But yeah, it's like I'm just I'm like besieging mm. this character in the book. Mm-hmm. Drop the ball here. Like you are so close. You you have an opportunity to yeah. be the bigger man about this. Just yeah. you know, yeah. they're together. Move on. Move on. They're gonna have great opportunities. Think of your kid. Think of your, yeah. your wife. And I genuinely thought, oh Christ, is Michael Mann's gonna tank this just for the sake of saying, hey, screw you guys. <laughs> but he does. He he quietly drives away, and he makes that phone call, that all important phone call, and we realize that yeah, this is not the same guy that was in. He he has evolved. No, that's he's right. Improved himself, and he has become a different person. Which, as you say, I suppose the more I think about it, the more it kind of makes you go. Which goes really against what happens later a bit. Yeah, it's yes. kind of like it's not like he's yes. completely moved on from the criminal lifestyle. We we know he has. No, that's for sure. He's just better at it. He's just better at it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Because him and Neil, he describes Neil as uh, the brother from another mother. Mm. You know, he that's mm. what he calls Neil. Is yeah. you know, he gets them together, and the two of them form this 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 crew. Mm. But Neil, his big thing in the movie was never get yourself attached, never let yourself be attached to anything you are not prepared to walk out on. If you feel the heat coming from around the corner. corner, and what does he do? Well, you could say, oh, well, he finds a woman, and that's what that's his downfall. That's not his downfall. His downfall is he gets tied. To revenge. If he hadn't yep. gone after Wayne Grow, yep, uh, that was the problem. That was the fault. That it was that was because he was away on that. That was freeway. the decision. He was, he was away on the freeway when they're going through that tunnel. You can see he's exactly. going. I'm oh, making this decision. This to him. He couldn't let it go, and he had to do it. Yeah, and that was the problem. And, and Nate, Nate even says to him, "You're free and clear, brother." Yep. And he's like, yep. and and the, everything about it. Like, it's a great yep. piece of music. Actually, I'm going to get back to the music in a second. I know it's mad. It, the, it's bad. The, the the music in the film is this very warm. Lightning yeah. mood, yeah. and then it switches back to more minor keys as he changes yeah. his mind and he pulls the yeah. car off. And suddenly, yeah. Evie's hand is shaking. Her. She she knows something is not right, mm. and it's like the thing is, it's not that he's found love or that this woman was his downfall. That's not the problem. The problem was that he was tied to this revenge. He wanted to he get couldn't revenge, let it go, and he wanted yeah. to get it right then. Yeah, he could have gone away yeah, for like two or three years, whenever, and then come back. When yeah. Wayne Grow was taking a leak and everything would have been Gucci, would have been fine. And this is where, and again, playing devil's advocate, it makes it Maybe makes it's a parallel some narrative it's, it's- sense. Parallel that he's tied to revenge, but due to circumstances, Chris is in a way saved. Shahelis is saved from himself by not saying, okay, I'm going to get this guy. Neil, yeah. in a sense, yeah. was the prototype, was the example the example for him. He's like, he goes back to his business and we get that. <laughs> That, that scene, which kind of, I want to say it comes out of nowhere, but it's a really good wrap-up for, again, we get to see just how good Shahel is and his new crew, as it were, is. Mm. And how, in, the fin- how, in the finale. How, yeah. In the finale, yeah. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. How yeah. much of a Great consummate Great, professional uh, he is. Because yeah. we don't like Chen and we don't like Felix. Oh, just, yeah. They're, not because they're necessarily evil characters, but just because... Well, they're just not. They're they're, just, they're actually relatable characters. But they're real characters. We we know who these people are. Mm, true, and I do. Uh, I don't think this was necessarily intentional. I do like the picking of the year two thousand as the end point. Yes, we all know that the twenty first century didn't start until whenever, or the millennium doesn't start until when. I don't, I, actually, nobody, nobody cares. <laughs> 
the point is when the calendars turned over and we had a two in front, it, there was something kind of romantic about that, that notion of a new, new beginning. Century, yeah. Yeah, and, new beginning, yeah. yeah. And then we had... And then we had September 11 and then everything went to shit. But then the there is that sense that it's a new beginning for him and it's like this this is a new yep. era, this is a new world and and this yep. is a new yep. Chris Chahelis. I want to go back to the music for a second. I was really disappointed in the movie in the DVD commentary because one of the things about uh Heat is the soundtrack. It's uh yes. mostly a licensed it is mostly a licensed soundtrack. It's not Okay. Entirely original score. Some of it is by Kronos Quartet, okay. but most of it is licensed music. So there's stuff by Ultramarine and Brian Eno. Um, Moby mm. is in there. Right, yeah. He, he does, for that movie, there's two tracks that are his. One is God's Face Moving Across the Water, which is the uh, end credits track, which is okay. a fantastic piece of music. And the other one is a remake that he did of... New Dawn Fades by I believe it's Joy Division. I think that's oh that's right. One. Yeah, I think. Uh, hang on, let me just quickly do some Google foo here. Um, Ask Mrs. Google. Uh, hacking, hacking the mainframe. See colon backslash. Yeah, Joy Division. So Joy Division made the song in like the eighties, and Moby does a really great rendition of it for. Uh, heat and that's mm. the that's the track that plays when hannah is driving after macaulay right before they go to have coffee and it's a really cool scene you only oh, get yeah. to hear it for like 30 seconds it's it's the kind of track you want it when you're going down the freeway in the middle of a really hot night with the windows down and the radio up it's it is the cruise song when you're belting down the freeway it's it's great it's just it's a great track uh, but Moby's contribution and just the music in general is great in here. Really goes towards selling, especially for the fact that it's not an original score. Most of it, most of it is actually yeah, uh, licensed okay. music. So it's yeah, someone right. else's art that's been made separately. Mm. But in the end of in the acknowledgements, Michael Mann actually thanks Moby. I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's cool. Thank you. Okay. But I was actually really pissed that he didn't rec- he didn't like call out the music in the commentary because it's like. Yeah, right. Come on. The music really helps carry your film here, dude. The least you can say is like... Yeah, big time. Big time. It gives, gives some recognition. <laughs> I absolutely I absolutely give a frick. Like, oh, I give, I a give frick. several I fricks give for fricks. this. I give In every frick. position I give all, all the fricks. Yep. All the fricks. Like, Thumbs up. Do, 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 do yourself a frickin' favour and read the frickin' book because the frickin' book is frickin' great. We definitely give a frick. It's probably one of, one of the best pieces of fiction I have read in a long time in terms of leaving me with that kind of mm. exhaustion and exhilaration, you know, that kind of post-adrenaline mm. uh, sort Same. of rush. And so, yep, definitely get into it. Hopefully we've avoided spoilers enough to tantalize. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it fleshes out the characters. If you like the movie, definitely read this book. Do it now, immediately. Do it. Stop listening to this podcast now, except for this word from our sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it was going to call it Heat 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> they thought, nah. <laughs> Boom, boom.